Today on a spooky edition of Repair Radio, we'll be talking about our scariest repair moments. We'll also discuss our Surface Laptop 3 and Pixel 4 teardowns, so stay tuned. Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of Repair Radio, the official iFixit podcast, Halloween edition. I'm Craig Lloyd, and as always, I'm joined alongside Kevin Purdy and Whitson Gordon, and for the second time in a row, iFixit teardown engineer Taylor Dixon is here. He's um, this you're basically an honorary an honorary host at this point. I am. This has been my plan the whole time. Secretly work my way into the podcast. <laughs> it's working. Take over from the inside. Exactly. Uh, so since this is our Halloween episode, instead of talking about what we're fixing this week, we thought it'd be fun to talk about our scariest repair moments. And it might also be a teaching moment for other fixers on <laughs> what not to do so that your repairs don't actually end up being scary. Uh, Taylor, since you're the guest, uh, how about you go first and share your scary repair moment? All right, that sounds great. So I kind of had a hard time thinking of a scary repair moment, even though I am sure, well, I know for a fact I've been up past 3 a.m. multiple times working on fixes that are very stressful. <laughs> um, so what I went with is uh, once upon a time I was in college and I had this perfect, beautiful Lenovo U43, U430, I think, uh, laptop. It was one of Lenovo's Ultrabooks, and it was great, except for the screen was glossy, and I wanted an IPS matte screen, and it bothered me to no end. I couldn't use the laptop in brightly lit classrooms, and it was just really obnoxious. So I looked up the display manufacturer, and they also manufactured the same display but in an IPS version. So I bought that display and one night just went into my laptop totally blind. I didn't have any kind of video or anything, <laughs> just popped it open. <laughs> excited already. <laughs> Very excited. And uh, I think I had a paper due the next day. Yep. And yeah. yeah, of course. So yeah. I got into the laptop. And I actually successfully completed the display, but the display part was actually not compatible. So everything worked, but the display did not light up. Uh, so I had to re-swap the display, and then of course it didn't work, and I had to troubleshoot the display, the original display, until 4 a.m. <laughs> and oh my gosh, I did finish the paper on time, and everything was okay, but it was a scary time. I like to think that like the campus library closed at 8 p.m. and at 8.01 p.m. you're like, okay, let's do this. <laughs> now that I have no option but to use this laptop. Yes, that, that is the case. Okay, nice. At, at any point during the middle of the night, did the phone ring? Oh, yes. And uh, the voice said seven <laughs> days. The, call, the call's coming from inside the house. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I feel like Kevin needs to tell his story next because it was also in oh, college. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. I, I, it freaks me out because it's like... All of our stories... Well, two out of the four stories are from college. So half, yeah. not all. And it's, it's almost the opposite like, of all. It's almost like there's this weird... 
<laughs> tech ego thing that well so similar to taylor i was in college and i had a desktop pc though mm. and um uh what's in what would have been windows in like 2001 would that have been xp i think um, it was xp probably unless you were running like i don't know windows 2000 <laughs> no probably not okay so but back then and you know maybe to a certain extent now it's like every time windows started running badly possibly because you were installing <laughs> 35 applications off the campus network on it every day um <laughs> you'd be like oh it's time to wipe windows and you know start over and uh Unfortunately, once you know enough, you're like, well, I'm going to do a totally clean Windows install this time. And again, it was like two days before some big paper was due or something. And so I like totally wiped Windows, started over, and uh, didn't even use like the recovery disk or anything. I just like use a raw install of Windows XP because I wanted it to be really, really clean. <laughs> and then um, I installed it and uh, the Ethernet driver just didn't work. Like the Ethernet port refused to work. And this is on, you know, I lived in the dorms and the only Internet back then 2001 <laughs> was <laughs> to be fair kevin i was in college in 2006 and we also only had ethernet ports in our dorm no oh, okay well <laughs> it felt like wi-fi was something that rich kids had on their laptops um <laughs> i think like the ibook was like the main okay anyways um this is not a museum this is a story so um so the ethernet port failed and i was like well that's it like it's 9 p.m and you can't go to the library anymore and or I don't even think I even knew where the library was in college, to be honest with you. So I was like, well, I got to get this working. And I, you know, I went to Dell's website and tried to find it back then. They didn't just have like a nice list of all the drivers. They were just like, well, here's the computer you probably bought <laughs> and good luck. And so um, I spent and I have a roommate uh, who can testify to this because he he told the story at my at my wedding. Um, I spent two days looking for the driver. Oh my like, God. Wow. it was because there's, I, I, <laughs> I am of such that without access to the internet, I didn't even have a life. So I spent two <laughs> days looking for it. And like the final fix at like 11 PM, the second day with almost no sleep was I, f- I, I like pulled out the, uh, in a nod to my future career, I pulled out the ethernet port or like pulled out the card, looked at it. And saw that there was an FCC ID on the port somewhere. And so then I like reverse searched the FCC ID and I found some website where you could actually do that. And so I was like, oh, well, you know, this this ID was assigned to this Taiwanese manufacturer. <laughs> so I went to their oh website, gosh. which was in Taiwanese. And this I used... This is really preparing you for your future as an iFixit tech journalist. <laughs> yeah. And so like I used, like, there wasn't Google Translate back then. I, or if there was, it was very primitive. And like I used it and I, I figured out which link on the page was actually the driver download. And like, I, I swear, like 2.15 a.m. or something, I screamed out knowing that my roommate was asleep. Like, I did it. <laughs> oh, my God. It actually worked? Yeah, it worked. Yeah, That's I, amazing. One of the best fixes of my life. But it was also like scary because, first of all, I thought I had managed to brick a desktop computer. <laughs> and second of all, like I had not slept for 46 hours. Uh. I was... I was insane. Like I was like yelling at the top of my lungs about this, and like my neighbors were like pounding on the wall, like "Shut up!" And uh I was, I was, I could have murdered an entire small town with an axe at that point. But instead, <laughs> I just was so excited that I'd restored my Ethernet capability. And we That's are also glad you channeled that energy. <laughs> And his paper was a week late. Yeah, no, right. And then my average remained extremely substandard. <laughs> 
Um, so I, I, Windows XP did come out in 2001, but it was like August for manufacturers and October for the general release. So it's possible you were using like Windows 98 or like ME or something. But Yeah. Oh, no, I did not use ME. I knew that much. <laughs> Uh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So this was, this might've been 2000. If like, I think maybe you could get that from the campus, uh, it department if you asked for it or whatever. So yeah. maybe. Yes. I remember those days, $20 for windows seven when I was in college. Wow. Yes. I just, and you yeah. can only, you can only buy like one copy a year. So I just like bought one copy every year, like knowing that one day I was going to need like four copies. I got a copy of windows Vista too, just hoping that it would like upgrade to seven or 10 <laughs> or something for free one day, you know, like so now yeah. I have all these old discs lying around. Oh, yeah. And you got it in like a white envelope. It was just like a plain white envelope and it had like... It felt like really a- sketched. Like it felt you were, like you were stealing <laughs> even though you weren't. Yeah. Oh, so good. Anyways, that's it. So uh, my... I, I, I had had to think about this for a while, but then I remembered like the scariest computer thing that ever happened to me, which is when I was uh, using a uh, custom water cooling loop in my gaming desktop a few years ago and I, I, i'm sure you can all already sense where this is going mm-hmm. what I could been, go wrong what could go the thing is like i tons of people have custom loops without this particular thing happening and i had actually been using this loop for a while um like at least a year actually two years because i was like i had moved apartments twice since i first set I, up the loop i have a newbie question yes is a loop essentially that means like the piping that runs between the processor and a heatsink and it's water moving through that yeah yeah uh, sorry that it, tube in a in a circle right so like you can get a custom or not a sorry you can get like a pre-made water cooling kit that just has like a, a block and two pipes going to uh, a radiator or you can kind of build your own custom like piecemeal setup which is what I had done in this particular PC. So I like bought a little reservoir for water. I bought a water block. I bought a radiator to put in the front of my case. And I connected all the tubing with all the little fittings. Um, and I had been running this setup for like, yeah, so like a year and a half, two years. And one day I'm sitting there Ooh. at my computer. And all of a sudden, one of the tubes just pops off the CPU <laughs> water block and just starts like spraying water all over the place like a loose fire hose it, in a Bugs is Bunny it cartoon. Is pressurized? Um, no, not that. No, it's not yeah, that pressurized. The, you're just like the PSI. On you that? just have a. It's just like having a like a uh, like an aquarium pump, like pumping water through. You know, mm, it's not like okay. anything special, but it's like but it's sp- shooting water through the thing. <laughs> so it's just like so it's like a cat fountain just got loose in your lap. In your yeah, desktop. basically. So water's like <laughs> spewing out everywhere, right? Um, clearly, I had not secured the fitting properly, um, but it lasted so, for two years. Yeah, it did, and it was one of those things where like I definitely didn't. I never secured it properly in the guide I wrote for Lifehacker. I was like, "Here's how you're supposed to secure it," and then I didn't do that because <laughs> it was ugly. And I was like, "It's fine," and it was fine for like two years until it wasn't anymore. So as this is happening, I'm like, "No, no, 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 no!" And my wife's in the next room, like immediately knows what's happened because she's just like, "Well, that's the only thing that could elicit that reaction." I was quick enough that I turned my computer off from the power supply switch in the back, like Ooh, wow. within a few seconds. I, I'm shocked that I was like able to think that quickly on my feet. Um, Is that an then, intentional pun? No. <laughs> that you were shocked? That the, <laughs> no. Okay, never mind. Just checking. No. But so uh, once the water, uh, the water fountain uh, trickled down to its last, you know, uh, little pool, I uh, I took the whole computer apart piece by piece 
you know, wiped it off with rubbing alcohol, let everything dry for like two days, like fully convinced that this thing was just dead as a doornail. Um, and like, like took like went in with like microfiber cloth that cleaned the water out of every PCI slot and RAM slot and all this nonsense. And not a single part failed. Wow. Ooh. Everything still worked, particularly because I turned the computer off so quickly nothing had a chance to short out. Um, so that was awesome. Unfortunately, uh, like a year later, I, uh, uh, the water leaked in a much less spectacular fashion, enough that I didn't see that it was leaking until it had shorted out my graphics card. Mm. That was Ooh. unfortunate. Oh, man. It was just like a little drip, drip, drip. Mm. so that think, was unfortunate and i have not water cooled since <laughs> do you think there's a parallel universe where like gibson warden is using the same water cooled <laughs> computer and then like instead of turning off the power and and drying everything off he like dumps like a 100 pound <laughs> bag of rice on his, on his desktop <laughs> and like it does nothing but now every component in his desktop is just like gunked up embedded forever. with little molecules little granules of rice <laughs> and he then i'm, sh- I'm sure that alternate universe exists again. Like one of those food service bags of rice that you have to like hoist over your shoulders, <laughs> <laughs> dump it on the desktop. <laughs> yep, I'm sure that's true. Uh, it's just all up in the power supply, just causing all kinds of havoc. Yep. Over on Earth 885. So that was terrifying, but uh, it worked really well. But I use air cooling now, so it's <laughs> not a thing I worry about anymore. Way to play it safe. Yeah. That's that's like it's like the in the book where you turn the last page and all it says is I use air cooling now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, it, we're at the point where air cooling is kind of quiet. Like if you get a big enough heat sink in a desktop computer, air cooling can be quieter and possibly even cooler than water cooling. So it's like, you know, I'm getting like the same cooling performance that I was before, and it's way quieter because there are fewer moving parts. So it, it's not nearly as big badass but mm. just i'll take it cut cut to whitson with like an armful of water cooling equipment going out to his trash can saying like when i was a child i used childish things <laughs> <laughs> hey hey i didn't put it in the trash i sold it on ebay at a humongous loss oh, nice. for someone else to futz with for the rest of their lives uh all right all right so this wasn't necessarily a repair but it was uh some maintenance i was doing on my old motorcycle that i don't have anymore I miss it. R.I.P. Um, R.I.P. I was rebuilding the brake helpers, which are the things that when you apply the brakes, they squeeze the brake plat. They're the things that squeeze uh, the brake pads against the brake rotor to bring the vehicle to a stop. So the brake helper is that whole mechanism. And the process of uh, when someone says rebuilding, uh, it, can, it consists of taking something completely apart and cleaning it and replacing any worn out components and then putting it all back together so that you end up with something that looks and works just like it did when it was brand new or close to it. Uh, so whenever you hear someone say like, oh, I'm rebuilding the engine in my project car, that's, that's what they mean. So I was rebuilding the brake calipers and uh, a part of that involves removing the pistons inside of the caliper which are little cylinders that push against the brake pads and they push out and retract uh, based on the pressure of the brake fluid pushing against the pistons if all that makes sense Mm -hmm. Um, to remove the pistons the best time to do it is after you take off the caliper and remove the brake pads 
but you keep everything else assembled, then you can just continuously press the brake pedal, or in this case, the brake lever, until the brake fluid completely pushes the pistons out of their sockets and they just fall out. And that's also a quick way to drain the brake fluid. Mm -hmm. However, in my case, I forgot to do that step at that moment. So I completely removed the caliper, removed the brake hose, drained all the old brake fluid, uh, etc. And I already tossed the old brake hose because I was replacing it with a new one anyway. So I was stuck with pistons that I couldn't easily remove because there's no easy to re- there's no easy way to remove them at this point. Uh, you know, you can't just grab onto them with your fingers and pull them out because you know they're they're really in there. I think you can get a special tool that you can extract the pistons in this kind of situation, but obviously I did not have that tool. So I sat there for a bit thinking about what I could do. Um, I could assemble everything back together and refill the brake fluid and all that. Um, but I would still have to disassemble it all again, So, and that's too much work. So I got out my air compressor, and if I stuck the tip of the hose into the hole where the brake hose connects to, I could blast it with air and the pistons would pop out it makes sense right Mm, yeah uh well they definitely popped out that wasn't a problem uh the problem was i didn't take the necessary precautions to prevent the potential for injury ideally Uh uh-oh i ideally i would put a towel or like something in the way so that when the pistons popped out they would pop out gently and wouldn't go flying. Um, but instead of doing that, I positioned the caliper so that the pistons were pointing directly at my face. So I gave it a blast of air, mm. and before before I could even blink, mm-hmm. I hear one of the pistons shoot out because it makes a nice popping noise. I feel it whiz by the side of my head. Oh my gosh. And then hit the ceiling in the garage. <laughs> all all in like a fraction of a second. <laughs> Lucky man. And I kind of just sat there for a minute and just like slowly set everything down and watched my life flash before my eyes. <laughs> I Can you hear that? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Is that you doing this? Are you like reenacting <laughs> this with like that's my, gaffer effects in the background? That's my, that's my true crime, true crime podcast background noise. <laughs> <laughs> I think someone's blow drying their hands. Mm, yes. That's <laughs> well, I um, I have hydraulic brakes on one of my bikes, and uh, it's probably the I, I want to say it's probably the last set of hydraulic disc brakes I'll ever buy <laughs> for reasons like this. That like working on it is scary in that you don't it seems like that is in my head that's going to happen more often than it ever will but like it feels like that could happen at any time is that i just am blinded by a piston flying out yeah um i ended up putting the air compressor away obviously (laughs) um thankfully the second piston didn't pop out all the way i feel like if it did it it definitely would have hit me um but it was far out enough that I could just grab it with my fingers and yank it out. 
Um, but that's not even the scariest part. You want to know what the scariest part was? What was the scariest the part? <laughs> it does not involve the fluid. Thank God. <laughs> to this day, I still have no idea where the flying piston went. <laughs> it, it hit the ceiling, and I heard it bounce around on the garage floor. But I spent an hour trying to find it, and I could not find it. Some say late at night in Craig's garage, you can still hear the sound <laughs> of a piston <laughs> well, what's, what's, flying at his face. What's great is that even when we sold our house and we moved everything out of the garage, there was nothing left. <laughs> there was nothing left in the garage. I still couldn't find it. I have no idea where it is. I imagine it's embedded in the ceiling. Yeah, probably. I, I looked. It didn't. It, Someone's going to find that one day and be like, what the heck is this? It didn't go all the way through. There's just like a little divot. And like I said, I heard it bounce around on the floor because it you know, makes like a pinging noise. So I knew it hit the floor somewhere. Um, but yeah, I have no idea where it is. That is truly spooky. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to sleep tonight. That was also <laughs> scary. Yeah, that. I mean, I feel like... I feel like my my story is more like I was just comp- acting like I was completely stupid. Mm. Well, I didn't tell the story about how I I uh, a washing machine line broke in the middle of the night in the winter in Rochester, and in a stupor, I ran downstairs, started bailing stuff out of the little laundry room that had like icy water all over the floor, and I grabbed an active extension cord. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and it like oh. went right across my chest, and I like shook and fell over, and oh. but like that wasn't really like a repair story, other than I was trying to save things from a broken pipe. So, wow, you know, there mm. there's there are scary stories <laughs> that we don't even remember now. <laughs> if you haven't died almost died during a repair you're not doing it right (laughs) right i think i called like the the uh, emergency care clinic and they're like well you're fine now probably and like (laughs) i think they actually said probably at the end i was like well that that's really not reassuring but okay they said watch your heart rate for a few days i was like i will but this was before the days of the apple watch when you could just like oh (laughs) (laughs) i wonder if i would have shorted the apple watch like if anyways Mm. I do too. Moving no, only one way to find out now. Or, yeah. or I wonder yeah. if it would like notify you, like, hey, we like, hey, you're having a heart attack. <laughs> we know that we notice an irregular heartbeat. Hi, you've just Frankenstein yourself. <laughs> we notice 110 volts are going through your chest yeah. at this moment. Please Hi. step away from the electricity. <laughs> Hi, wireless charging is not yet implemented on this device. Please don't try this. Oh, all right, let's move on and talk about the week's news and the latest on iFixit.com. Uh, let's just, let's qu- just quickly talk about this, um, the right to repair hearing in Boston. Mm. Um, Kevin, do you, do you want us to give, give us the elevator pitch? Sure. Uh, let's see. Yeah. So if we were literally in an elevator, I'd be like, well, Massachusetts is a very important state because they were the ones who passed an important car repair bill back in 2005. Uh, 12. 2012, off by seven years. Um, <laughs> so they passed a very important car repair bill that um, something happened in 2005. Uh, that a lot of things happened in 2005. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, right. The, so the uh, after that happened, uh, um, all uh, uh, the car manufacturers were like, well, we're not going to do this state by state. And uh, so then they passed a bill that essentially opened up car repair such that it couldn't be locked down. Um, made the OBD 
two port uh, more open than it was before, stuff like that. So uh, Massachusetts, uh, a committee, uh, a legislator committee there had a hearing, a three hour hearing do, 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 do about um, this. Nobody gets that reference. Um, <laughs> oh, I about, got it. OK, gotcha. I just got it. right to repair bill. Uh, and so uh, folks from both sides showed up, uh, folks that I fix it knows, uh, folks like Louis Rossman and um, uh, Jessa, uh, who runs iPad Rehab, and they talked about why it's important to open up things. And then people from the manufacturers uh, showed up and talked about why it's important that you not fix things. Hmm. That's pretty much hmm. what they said. Uh, and so reading Craig's post is much better because he there, it's a lot of snark. Yes, yeah, uh, some of the ridiculous arguments. Yeah, that there the was a manufacturers lot of put forth. Craig and I listened to all three hours of that hearing, or as much <laughs> of it as was possible to listen and watch. Uh, and we summed up and grabbed all the best quotes and, and moments from it. Uh, and they're even time stamped in the post, so you can go to the moment right in the YouTube uh, video and watch them talk. It, you can see what's what kind of arguments are being made every day, and. Uh, Nothing's happened yet, uh, but the idea is that hopefully this hearing should have gotten them to do a floor vote in Massachusetts. And if that happened, that would be great. So you can read the whole post on ifixit.com. It is titled The Battle of Boston, Manufacturer's War with Fixers at Repair Bill Hearing. Was your was your reference earlier from Gilligan's Island? It was. Oh, yes. <laughs> See, we all got there. It that just makes took us all a while. You didn't get it. <laughs> Uh, I can't you literally can't talk about a three hour anything without kind of hearing it in your head that's true so, yep yeah all right um moving on um we're gonna talk about teardowns let's talk about the secret diagnostic software question mark oh yeah in the show notes um we just published it this morning um uh, well Monday morning the time of this recording yeah. um about Apple's secret diagnostic tool that no one else has access to yeah this is not that new and but it was one of those things that like we we've we talk about all the time but have never actually kind of like published anything about right right and so so here we would just wanted to uh, i i went around and i compiled pretty much everything i could find on the web that was just like sitting there <laughs> in like a deep search engine link uh that shows you exactly what it looks like to a, a an authorized apple technician um this is the kind of thing where, like, in a post where we say that, you know, hey, your, your battery will always have a service warning until an Apple tech uses their, quote, unquote, you know, secret diagnostic software or Apple's own tools or whatever. This is the secret sauce. This is the thing that, like, when you have access to Apple's uh, global services exchange program, you can actually uh, authorize a battery, totally fix the screen, reauthorize a touch ID sensor, which are some of the big roadblocks that we have uh, in helping people fix their gear. But then also you can just see like the crazy amazing things that Apple can run on your device remotely. Mm -hmm. Like if if I had access to this and I said, "Hey Craig, give me your serial number off of his iPhone," I could like check everything on it. Yeah. Without having to be there and it would show me everything that's running right and wrong on the device and then uh yeah, stuff like that. And then there's also a little bit of Samsung's secret tool uh for their devices, but <laughs> The, the built-in joke is that it looks terrible. <laughs> it has weird fonts all over it, and it's really unclear what it's doing and what it's... I mean, there, you can see what type of tools you can run out, but it, it really is... 
If you're it looks like for... it was developed the same day that you were replacing that Ethernet jack, actually. <laughs> like, I mean, the, the screenshot is from Vista or 7, maybe? It's That's 7. Right, but then the, if you look in the upper right corner, it's from 2018. Like, when they took the screenshot, it was a 2018 repair shop. Oh yeah, it so. looks really bad. Like, it, yeah, it's Windows 7, <laughs> but the app looks like Windows 95 or, like, 3.1, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, mind you, just because it's ugly doesn't mean it's also just a real BS thing that, like... Uh, they have this really good tool for fixing your phone, and they refuse to give it to you. Yep. Um, so, yeah, you can check that out, too, on the on iFixit.com. Here's the secret repair tool Apple won't let you have. Um, I, re- I remember before Apple came out with, uh, when the, before they updated iOS with, like, the battery health feature, you had to contact Apple support to see, to figure out, like, the battery health. And oh. you, I remember... I remember I DM'd on Twitter Apple support asking if I could uh, see the battery health on my iPhone, on the battery. I was like, yeah, just, uh, I think I had to send them, yeah, like my serial number, I think, or whatever, something right. something like that. And then like, okay, here's a link, open this on your iPhone, and it like run, it ran a remote test, and they, they came back in the DM, and were like, yeah, your battery health is fine. Oh, That's yeah, totally. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, uh, our boss Kyle wanted to point out, of course, uh, he made the edit that um, right there on the tool it shows you the cycle count for the battery, which is something that Apple really tries to keep you from seeing on most of their devices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you can get an app on your Mac called Coconut Battery and plug in your iPhone, and you can see the cycle count. Yeah, and it's awesome. But still, it's like it, in terms of like proving the point that uh, there are things that they could do to make repair easier for people that they yes. do not yeah. do. It's still some nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, you can check that out. There's also like just a public YouTube video where someone shows you how to use AST2. So oh. enjoy that while it's still up. Okay. Uh, let's talk about teardowns. We tore down the Surface Laptop 3 and the Pixel 4. Um, Taylor, give us, uh, give us a rundown of these two devices All which right. one was more exciting um that's a good question <laughs> i personally i think the surface laptop was more exciting just because of the strides toward repairability that it made uh but there was definitely a lot of cool stuff in the pixel phone so i, I guess you can pick your flavor they're both exciting Sweet. in different ways we talked about the surface laptop 3 a little bit of the last episode of the podcast yeah right? we did i think so am i imagining that so, you know, we kind of already know that it's like, it, I assume that it is as easily openable as they showed on stage, possibly with a few screws. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. On on stage, like we said, I think last time, uh, Panos just like ripped off the keyboard cover basically. And he was like, look, it's so repairable. <laughs> uh, and everyone was skeptical. Like, how did you do that? What about screws? So it turns out what Microsoft did is... They put screws in the feet of the laptop, which is where we have looked every iteration for screws, and there were not any. So Mm -hmm. they put screws in the feet and, well, under the feet. And then once you have those screws removed, the keyboard cover is just magnetically attached to the lower case. And so you really can just pull it right off, Mm. which is kind of really, really cool. Like, just because everybody argues that to make something repairable or easily opened, 
you have to make serious compromises on form factor and beautiful design. Uh, but Panos still walked around the stage for 40 minutes talking about the, uh, oh, I forgot the word he used 40 times. But anyway, he talked about how beautiful it was for 40 <laughs> minutes. And uh, this is still very repairable, you know, for a uh, Surface Laptop. Yeah, I think, well, it's, it's really easy to get open. But then once you're in, the only thing that's easy to replace is the solid state drive? Yes. The, the only thing that comes up without removing shields, which are just kind of obnoxious to remove and replace, is the SSD. But, I mean, again, um, this, this enthusiasm that is coming out of me is just because of the zero that we gave the last Surface. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, again, it's cool that they even left that not under a shield. Like, literally everything is under a shield, even some screws that you have to remove to take the motherboard out. So the fact that they left the SSD unshielded is pretty cool. You really can't just rip off that keyboard cover and then pop out the SSD. It takes two or three minutes. Yeah, and it's using it's using a smaller form factor of an M2 SSD, yes. which aren't. I don't think there are very. You can get them. There are very few available. Yeah, I actually Do haven't looked into it too hard, but it is like a, a semi-standard. It's a smaller form factor, but the connector is M2. I believe it's the same ones that they use in a lot of the older Chromebooks oh, before yeah. they decided to stop making them replaceable, something I've discovered recently. <laughs> um, just every manufacturer is like, no, 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 let's go the other direction. Yeah, it's a, they're usually just like measured in millimeters or whatever, but I, I've seen, you can get them. Unfortunately, there's just not like the... Um, uh, wealth of manufacturers available like Samsung and such like there are for the standard M2. Yeah. I mean, I looked, on, I, I did a quick search on Newegg and there were zero available. Dang. Hmm. That's a bummer. So there were a lot of, you know, the regular sized M2s. Um, but yeah, nothing, nothing the size of, you know, the SD card size. Yeah. But mm. I think they'll come out. They'll, they'll, yeah, yeah we'll, I'm sure we'll see, somebody we'll see will start making them, yeah. Anyway, past the SSD, uh, like I said, you have to rip off a ton of metal shields to get to pretty much anything, but things do start to come out fairly easily. I mean, there is almost no adhesive in there, which is nice. Um, the screen comes off almost immediately. You have to pop off two shields and then disconnect four display connectors but it's really easy maybe three times as easy as a macbook display replacement hmm. unfortunately they did the same thing that apple did and built the display connectors into the display so if they do ever have a flexgate scandal like apple did uh you're just hosed like if any of those display cables go bad you have to replace the whole display so that's a bummer. Whee. And then the final bummer was the battery was just a nightmare to get out. It's really long, and the there are 
let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six or seven strips of adhesive that run along the entire length of the battery. And there's just no Jeez. good place to pry. It's really bad. If if they had made the battery replaceable or at least made those strips uh, stretch release, I think this could have been a six easily. I feel like using that many number of adhesive strips is just obnoxious at that point. I know. <laughs> like that, that is totally the way it feels. If the job, if the job is to hold the battery in place, I feel like you could easily just get that done with two strips yeah or like two squares <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and one other weird thing is they used the same battery in the 15 inch and the 13 inch laptops so huh. and everyone in the reviews has been complaining about the battery life on both of them so the 15 inch mm. is just super sol yeah huh that's unfortunate yeah. well Maybe next year. Maybe next year. I I mean, <laughs> this was a huge stride. Who knows what they have in the wings for next year. There are certain ways it could break or that you could want to upgrade it and you can do them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it's not like a, a, a one and done device where literally any change you'd want to make requires getting a new device or Microsoft throwing out one and giving you a new one. Exactly. Yeah. So what about the Pixel 4? Um, was I'm, what I'm curious about is how the the glue, the amount of adhesive on the back cover, how's how's it compared to the Pixel Three? That is an interesting comparison. The Pixel Three used a bunch of really goopy adhesive. That so goopy adhesive is goopy is a technical term uh, <laughs> referring to the like the ability that the adhesive has to re-adhere, essentially. Um, So as you are opening the back of a Pixel 3, the adhesive is really bad for two reasons. One, it's goopy and it re-adheres as you're prying. And two, it's very, uh, what's what's a good word? It's deep in the phone, like the, an opening pick, our guitar picks that we use to pry off screens and rear cases. The opening pick is not thick enough to get to all the adhesive in a Pixel 3 rear case. Wow. And it's not like that all the way around the circumference of the phone. But there are one or two spots where you, like, really have to dig deep in there. So the Pixel 4 only has adhesive around the perimeter, and it's less goopy. So it, it really was kind of a step forward, but not really enough to merit a whole extra point, I guess. Yeah, so Pixel 4, pretty similar to Pixel 3 in other ways. The battery was equally adhered to the back of the screen, just like the Pixel 4. Uh, There were pull tabs on the battery, so the adhesive is stretch release. But they broke for us, so it didn't really help that much. If you want real success with those, then you're going to have to remove the motherboard and the cameras. So that's obnoxious, but not really the end of the world. Like, we still prefer that over no strength release, obviously. Mm-hmm. And uh, go ahead. If you shattered the screen on your Pixel 4, what's the, what's the process? Is the process similar to Pixel 3? Yes, the, proxa- the process is similar to the Pixel 3 or a Samsung phone. You basically have to go into the back of the phone dig all the way through it, 
and then you replace the whole uh, screen and the aluminum frame in one oh, assembly interesting. because the screen is basically like super adhered to that and it's impossible to well not impossible it's very difficult to remove yeah hmm. so the battery is really hard to take out and the screen is really hard to take out correct so, so the that, two most common repairs are really hard to do correct all right hence the four <laughs> good talk <laughs> good stuff but it has the radar. world is in a good place Yes, the world is in a great place. I have, a, I have a question that I feel like I know the answer to, but um, can, when you guys are doing the teardown and you're seeing like, well, this is absolutely a waste of someone's Saturday to try to get to this screen, you know, and it requires these 11 steps that are really painful to get there. Do you ever think to yourself like, oh, I, but I see a way that if you had a magic machine, like, you know, an authorized Google repair person could do this screen pretty easily? Is it, Do you ever see like a... I mean, I, you probably have posted it in the a teardown, secret back but, door. Yeah, or just like, oh, if if we had this piece of hardware that could like hold it in suspension while it applied heat here and here. Yes, no. Yes, I we we do occasionally think about that. I mean, especially when you're spending forty minutes prying out the battery, you are <laughs> doing a lot of thinking about what could be done better. Uh, you aren't just like watching Pulp Fiction while you do this, <laughs> like. Uh. Pulp Fiction specifically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first one that came to mind. Um, yeah. They're, uh, we're not watching Pulp Fiction. We are just, but, we've got our heads down, prying the battery out. But you, but you don't, I mean, obviously, if you saw anything where you said, oh, I, we can, you know, we see like a way a manufacturer probably could work around this if they had to do a lot of these. Yes. there. I mean, we, we do see that. And I think we have in the past included that in some teardowns, like, if we do think of one that's super obvious, we will put it in the teardown and say, well, we think Apple probably has a way around this or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess a lot of that actually stays secret so that we can try and reverse engineer our own version of it, if you know what I mean. Oh. Oh. But for now, it looks like the the kid at Ubreak iFix or Best Buy or whatever that has to do the screen replacement for you, if you choose to do that, they're just in pain. Yes. <laughs> their, their their whole Saturday morning is doing this. <laughs> yeah. That's why they get paid the big bucks, Kevin. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh, that was a sad joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't yes. It feels like an episode of Superstore now. Oh man. Oh, All right. I love that show. Well, I'm feeling so optimistic right now. Yeah. This is uh Should we take some questions? <laughs> <laughs> If you have a question you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email it to repairradio at ifixit.com or tag us on Twitter at ifixit and include the hashtag repairradio in your tweet. Our first question comes from John Kuntz on Twitter. He wants to know, is contact cleaning still a thing? Yes, and recommendations. Um so I didn't even really know what this meant, but I asked the teardown team, uh, in, uh, and they said, oh, well, you mean like get it, cleaning the contacts on, but like say a cable, the way that a cable snap into a, a socket on a board, um, things like that. But um, Andrew from our team said that like the iPhone 4S uh, was a device that came to mind as something that needs contact cleaning in that um, the Wi-Fi antenna had some grounding fingers on it. 
Taylor can maybe summarize what grounding fingers are? <laughs> <laughs> so a lot, a lot of the time manufacturers, instead of connecting something with cables or, you know, solder, they will make little metal, metal fingers that stick up from one component and they make contact with another component that just has a metal patch on it. And mm. that way they can transfer data without having to have a cable. Okay, so uh, like it had little grounding fingers, the, the iPhone 4S, that were uh, very susceptible to finger oils, such that if you were doing a repair and you reassembly and you were kind of fat fingering everything and didn't clean off those contacts, you'd find that your phone actually had lost Wi-Fi capability because of your greasy potato chip fingers. My word's not his. <laughs> um, so there were definitely like some devices where your finger oils were a bad thing, and that's still generally true, is try not to touch everything you can inside of a device um but yeah uh it's not as much of a thing anymore i guess like kind of device small device technology has moved ahead um i just like googled contact cleaner and i found this can of like very hardcore stuff at home depot it is called uh qd 11 ounce contact cleaner don't use that (laughs) um the teardown team was like actually that stuff looks like it would really do some damage um it's very it's it's too strong for the kind of uh, contact cleaning that a a person would do uh just use isopropyl alcohol uh we recommend 90 percent uh usually for cleaning up stuff inside electronics uh so there you go It, it is still a thing in the sense that if you think you've touched something sensitive you should probably go ahead and clean it off but uh don't buy contact cleaner and just blast it inside your devices. Also, I, I do want to add, uh, if you reassemble your device and one component is not working before you up and throw it away, try cleaning the contacts on the connector or, you know, whatever's connecting it. Ooh, there you go. Hmm. All right. Okay. Uh, next question. We got an email from Phillips Triplehead. And he, and he tells us that his name is Phillips Triplehead because that's his favorite screwdriver bit. Wait, that's how you, pr- that's how you pronounce PH000, Phillips Triplehead? Yeah, I think it's well, that's what zero head. Tri- well, Phillips Triple Zero. Maybe he's very literal when it comes to our iFixit Pro Toolkit. And since he saw that inside, he's like, that's my name now. <laughs> Wait, how, how did I? Did I, I Phillips Triple Zero, what did I say? You said you Phillips said- Triplehead. I said like I said was, Phillips triple head. Like it was a guy named Phillips with three heads. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me let me Hall- do that. Halloween episode. Well, it is the Halloween episode. Phillips triple head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Philip of the three heads. Anyway, First Phillips triple zero. <laughs> let me. Let me, let me, let I me think you should keep over. it in. I think that was fantastic. No. Stop editing all the fun out of the podcast. <laughs> Uh, it's it's Monday. It is Monday. You're right. Ah, oh, crap! It's Monday. Live television. <laughs> we'll do it live. Anyway, he asks. All right, Phillips Triple Zero. He wants to know what is the chip under the display in the iPhone 11 Pro that you showed in the live teardown. Uh, well, we did. We showed it in the step by step teardown as well. But um, at the time this question was asked, we didn't have it labeled. Um, but now it's updated. It is the it's a Samsung Display Power Management Integrated Circuit. Taylor, please explain this. So on the back of every display, well, most smartphone displays these days, there is just one chip, and that one chip basically handles all of the touch interactions and other display data stuff. 
because uh, the digitizers are built into displays these days. So mm. that chip is just a Samsung chip and it's very popular. And something interesting is Samsung made the display for the Google Pixel, the Pixel 4. But uh, since it's the 120 hertz version of the Samsung display, uh, Samsung lost that controller spot to, oh, I forgot who it was. I think, yeah, to someone else. I forgot. But uh, it's really interesting because Samsung notoriously has failed to put 120 hertz screens on their phones in 2019, which is sad. Uh, and maybe they just haven't built the new driver for it Is it for sad it or is it just realistic about battery life? <laughs> <laughs> Whitson, do not rain on my parade, my 120 hertz parade. <laughs> I'm still, your 120, your extremely smooth moving <laughs> yeah, parade. Yeah. I just, yeah, at this point, like battery life is just more important than anything else to me right now. You're Honestly, right. I don't even use high right. res uh, or high um, frame rate display on my computer. I don't like my gaming PC. I'm still gaming at 60 hertz, like some kind of peasant. But you know, wow. <laughs> Rest in peace, Whitson Gordon. <laughs> Uh, but we did. We updated our step-by-step teardown to include that bit of information. So thank you, Phillips Triple Zero. Good luck with those three heads. There, I said it right. I hope you can find <laughs> a nice hat for the winter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, that does it for this episode of Repair Radio. If you enjoyed what you heard, feel free to leave a review on iTunes. That would help us out a lot. And also, if you have any general feedback, uh, things you want to hear, things that we could do differently please let us know. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter, uh, Whitson Kevin Taylor. What are your handles? Whitson Gordon. Just my name. Kevin, Kevin Purdy. Just my name. <laughs> Taylor C. Dixon. Just my name with the middle initial. And I'm Craig E. Lloyd. My name as well as the middle initial. Nice. You middle initial nerds. Well, sorry. Our names are too popular. Yeah, we're, t- we're taken. We couldn't. Craig E. Lloyd Jr. The third. <laughs> I know that didn't make any sense. Uh, um, and, of course, you can follow iFixit on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook with the username iFixit. We'll see you next time for another episode of Repair Radio. So long. Uh-huh.